Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. and thank you for tuning in to our Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. I am your host, Desiree Collins-Bradley, and I am super excited to have this conversation with our special guest, Dr. Carol Greenlee. Welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I've been knowing uh, Dr. Greenlee Carol, we'll say, for quite quite some time. We actually started working together Um, with a CMS project called Transforming Clinical Practice Initiative. So I've gotten to know Carol very, very well. She is a patient and family engagement champion, PFE champion. And so I know her, but you guys do not. So Carol, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell our listeners who you are? Okay, I'll be glad to. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me uh, this evening. I am an endocrinologist. I worked taking care of people with diabetes, um, patient care for about 32 years. During that time, I became really interested in ways that we could improve the way we delivered care, especially patient-centered care. And over the past few years, I've been uh, working to help other practices do that and working in my community and with uh, primary care practices to help them uh, deliver care to people with diabetes. So it's my pleasure to uh, talk a little bit more about that tonight. And see that, and for those of you that don't know, like this topic is near and dear to my heart. I am uh, a patient living with diabetes myself, but diabetes is something that has kind of wrecked my family for, you know, many, 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 many generations. I I think as a little girl, and and this is just, I'm from, my family's from the very deep South. And I remember my grandmother, you know, always saying that, oh, so-and-so in the family has the sugar. I mean, I know this is 2020, but in deep, deep South Louisiana, they're still calling diabetes the sugar. But I'll say, so anything that we can do to kind of inform the public, inform the patients, empower the patients to kind of take charge of their health, I think, um, is something that we, you know, we need to kind of work towards together. So, I know that was a lot, but you guys know, and Carol, you too, I don't know if you've been watching mainstream media, 
but I think it's been blasted just about everywhere, whether it's on the news, in print, on social media, about the comorbidities that patients have and how it makes them have a higher risk of COVID and recovery. And so, Kara, my question to you is, could you explain to our listeners, you know, with diabetes, how does that put them in the higher risk category? Okay, thank you. Yes, it has to be. I mean, it's just uh, COVID-19 is very frightening for for most of us. And to hear over and over again that diabetes puts you at risk for serious illness and even death has to be just terrifying. So um, COVID-19 is due to an infection by a virus called the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and that's a type of coronavirus. Um, So the first thing that happens uh, with COVID-19 is this viral infection in the respiratory system, which is the nose, the throat, and the lungs. And with an infection, uh, your immune system rises up to fight off the virus so it doesn't take over all your cells and destroy them. And the problem is if the blood sugar is high, especially if it's over 250 most of the time, those white blood cells can't fight very well. So you have a weakened defense system and you can't fight off the virus and then you can't make enough of the antibodies to fight off the virus. And so people with diabetes can get sicker with any infection, uh, even influenza or a skin infection, et cetera. And the same holds true with this uh, coronavirus. People with diabetes can get sicker. The second thing that happens with this rather nasty virus is something you may have heard on the news as well called a cytokine storm. And that's where your body creates a lot of inflammation, which is irritation. And the irritation or inflammation can also damage tissues. And so in response to this virus, some people make a super amount of um, inflammation and people with diabetes due to the diabetes itself, especially if the blood sugar is high and also sometimes due to coexisting other conditions have more inflammation than normal to start with. So they can not only get a worse infection, they get worse inflammation. And that's what causes the lungs to get that acute respiratory distress syndrome that can cause the kidneys some damage and the heart some damage. Um, And so the best thing we we can do if somebody has diabetes is prevent exposure in the first place. Uh, And then the second thing, if they happen to get infected, is to keep the blood sugars normal as close to normal as we can without low blood sugar. Mm. I hope that wasn't too detailed. No, I think that that is extremely helpful. And, you know, and I'll be honest, this is the first time I've heard it explained to me in this great detail. So I really appreciate that. And I know as a patient and caregiver, those that are listening, you know, I'm sure Unfortunately, everyone, I think, knows someone that is trying to manage diabetes, whether it's a family member, a neighbor, a coworker. So I think, you know, you setting the, the stage for this is really pertinent information that they can share amongst their communities that I urge them to go out and share. Because I think when you know better, you do better. And I know that sounds really yeah. crazy, but 
you know, I think think that is so true. So, you know, and this is also um, advice for me. I'm, I'm tuning in too. So what are some things that patients, families, and caregivers can do to better manage their diabetes, especially during this COVID crisis? Yes, and that's, um, I mean, it's, it's never too late to try to get uh, things under better control. And I think one of the things that has happened with COVID-19 and the stay-at-home uh, time period is people, most people have had a little bit more time to take care of themselves. Unfortunately, some people were more active in their jobs, and then when they're stuck uh, at home, and the gyms are all closed, they may have less activity. So finding some way to stay active, something that's really important to consider is staying hydrated. Uh, a lot of people aren't hydrated enough. And when you have diabetes, if the blood sugar is even a little bit high, it can cause uh, extra fluid loss, especially through, through extra urination. And people tend to run a little dry, a little dehydrated. And uh, one of the big problems with the COVID-19 illness is severe dehydration. So uh, if you add dehydration onto dehydration, you're going to be worse off. So that hydration, often people are so busy with their lives that they don't always take all of the medication for the diabetes. And now's a good time to take your medication and monitor your blood sugars more. Monitoring your blood sugars now is important because everything in our life is so disrupted and that can affect our blood sugars, including the stress that happens during this time. I think the fear, fear is stress uh, of thinking, oh, what happens if I get this virus and I don't want to get the virus? Uh, that can cause your stress hormones to go high. The frustration of being stuck at home and if you've lost a job or you've lost insurance or you've lost a family member, that grief, all of that can cause your stress hormones to go high. When stress hormones go high, it blocks the insulin from working. So your own body's natural insulin can't work as well. And any medications that you're taking to help the insulin work or if you're taking insulin, those are blocked as well. So anything you can do to reduce stress, and again, that's eating healthy reduces stress, Getting some physical activity, um, even dancing around your house reduces stress. But also just taking a deep breath in and blowing it out slowly helps reduce the adrenaline and helps increase the calming hormones. So um, those kind of activities, I think, are really important uh, during this very strange time in our society and in our world. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, you touched on, on a good point. It makes total sense, you know, with the stress of all things COVID. And I'm, I'll just use my personal experience. I wasn't sleeping very well. And I noticed that um, the nights that I wouldn't get, I would say, proper sleep or enough sleep, my fasting blood sugars were high. And I was like, well, this doesn't make sense. But now that you've explained it, it makes total sense because lack of sleep, lack of sleep, the extra stress, you know, had me running high. So I noticed, and, and now that, that I'm thinking back, I went to bed a little bit earlier, kind of changed some things, uh, did a little bit of meditation. And the next morning, my blood sugars were a lot more stable. And so, you know, people think that all those factors don't make a difference, but they do. So I think it's really important for, you know, everybody to 
try to be as physical and mentally well as possible because it's like all these dots are connecting <laughs> and if one dot is out of place it kind of throws everything yeah and, and the stress um stress disrupts our sleep and then disrupted sleep added to the stress makes the blood sugar even higher so you really hit on something there that's yeah. very important yeah and that, that is that's conversations and i'll be honest i have never had that conversation um with my endocrinologist here um in my area you know we typically go in and, and look at the a1c and, and look at my numbers on my meter and kind of you know tweak medication but those social factors i can honestly say i have never had that conversation so i really appreciate you kind of touching on that because i know that i'm not alone i know that i'm not the only patient that hasn't had that conversation with their provider because you really don't think to really discuss that in that space. So thank you for that. So, you know, COVID has kind of turned everything on its head and we're all trying to figure out where our feet are gonna land. But I really, really want you to kind of touch on, you know, what are some ways that patients, families, and caregivers can remain safe, but still remain really engaged with their providers? Okay, this is, this is really important, and this has sort of become a passion of mine during this COVID crisis, is that everyone is focusing on COVID, and even when a person with diabetes gets infected with COVID, people just focus on the COVID. Uh, they don't focus on, and we need to take extra good care of your diabetes. And so I'm really uh, grateful for the opportunity to tell the people and families and caregivers of people with diabetes what they can do. And of course, um, the first thing is to do everything you can to stay safe and have your own plan to stay safe uh, and reduce the chance that you get exposed to the virus, even if that means talking to a family member who doesn't live in the home through a closed car window or a closed uh, glass door. Uh, even if it means picking up things and having the person put it in your trunk and not hand it off to you directly and then being sure to wear the mask and wash your hands a lot, all the things that we've been told. In addition, um, be sure to stay in touch with your physician, whether it's your primary care physician or provider or your endocrinologist or both around help managing the diabetes. Now is a perfect time to do all the things that we just talked about, you know, the home cooking instead of eating out, taking your medicine, checking your blood sugar more, and take the opportunity to get things as regulated and as balanced as you can. If you're someone who hasn't been taking your medication faithfully, you had to miss it because you're on the run all the time and you start taking it, you may actually need a reduction in medicine. And this is a great time to work with your provider on that. You don't want to be going into the office because, first of all, a lot of those kind of office visits were on hold during the stay-at-home um, time period. But you also don't want to get exposed. You don't want to risk any unnecessary exposure. And a lot of what we need to do to help people with diabetes can be done by what's called a televisit. And that televisit could be the video face-to-face -face where you can see each other on the camera, but it could also just be a telephone visit because a lot of it is talking about blood sugars and medications and any problems that you might be having 
with the medications or the blood sugars or matching it to your <clears throat> new uh, daily routine. So please take advantage of that. Uh, as we already mentioned, checking the blood sugars more often. Uh, and if you think you're getting sick, it's really important with the diabetes to call the provider right away if you have any symptoms suggestive of COVID, and it's really important to check your blood sugars even more frequently if you think you have an infection, especially this COVID-19 infection. And more frequently means about every four hours. And if you're really sick, that might be as often as every two hours. Uh, very important if, you're, if you think you're getting sick to stay hydrated. Uh, we're seeing severe dehydration um, with this particular infection. One of the reasons is that one of the big symptoms is loss of appetite and people aren't eating or drinking. And so with the diabetes, it's really important to try to get eight ounces of fluid in every hour. Um, and if you're not eating meals, to get at least uh, 15 grams of carbohydrate in either as uh, liquid or as some time, type of sick day uh, food like jello or ice cream or yogurt um, about every hour. Even drinking some broth or bouillon can help uh, with the, the dehydration. And then staying in touch uh, with your provider, not just about the symptoms of COVID if you get infected, but also what your blood sugar is doing as you know, when you don't eat, if you have no appetite, uh, certain medications that we treat diabetes with can cause your blood sugars to go below normal, and that can be very dangerous. Be sure you know how to treat low blood sugar and work with your provider to maybe hold those medications if your appetite is totally lost and do your best to get those 15 grams of glucose in. Have some form of rapid glucose like glucose tablets or uh, a soda ready uh, at hand uh, to treat the low blood sugar. On the other hand, any infection uh, can block the insulin from working, like we talked about, and that can make the blood sugar go extremely high. And some people have been admitted with the COVID-19 infection with really, really high blood sugars. So you can go from one extreme to the other. So it's very important to use the phone and use those televisits during this time to stay in touch with your provider. Be sure you know that number to call. Just because their office is closed doesn't mean they're not there to help you. Wow, that, that is some amazing information, Carol. I really appreciate that. So I have another question for you. I know that you kind of sprinkle yourself everywhere to transform practices all over this country so that they can work better and engage better. So is there some resources that kind of stick out in your mind that patients can look at, providers can look at, maybe websites or anything as far as resources goes? What, what would you suggest? Well, the American Diabetes Association has uh, been doing quite a bit. Um, around diabetes and COVID-19, and they have uh, forums and webinars for patients as well as for providers. Um, so that, that would be a really good go-to 
spot. Um, I know that a, a lot of the medical centers have developed sick day guidelines for people with diabetes, uh, and I would be happy to share. I pulled a lot of those together. Um, I will say that I've been helping the Indian Health Service with how to manage diabetes through the COVID crisis, mm -hmm. and I can share some of those resources with you, Desiree, to share with your uh, listeners. Oh, absolutely. That will be wonderful. So for everyone that is listening, we're definitely going to take Carol up on her offer and we will pull those resources together and drop them in the group. You know, you guys, you know, many of you follow us on Facebook. We have a very active Twitter and on LinkedIn. So I will go ahead and once we pull them together, kind of share them across all our social media platforms. And then I also email blast you know, all of our members that are in the network as well. So you guys can see those resources. You know, we often uh, steal shamelessly from each other and, um, you know, to spread this, to kind of make this be as smooth as possible for our patients and families and caregivers. So Carol, this has been, I mean, a wonderful conversation. Is there any last minute things that maybe you want to say or something you want to add before I let you go? Oh, I think, um, I think one of the best things that all of us can do during this time is to stay in the present and, you know, that mindfulness, you know, even if you need to say, can I feel my feet, can I smell, you know, the atmosphere, can I, you know, feel the temperature in the room, anything you can do to stay in the present and then the second thing is to have your own plan. And I think if we have our own plan for how to stay safe and our own plan for how to take care of ourselves, then I, I think that has a, a strengthening and a calming effect on us that we all need. And then the other thing is to just stay connected. And Desiree, I'm so happy that you're doing this type of podcast at this time because it helps us all stay connected so, um, so stay calm and stay connected and have a plan. That, that uh, you know, I, I love that. And I actually wrote that down as you, as you were saying that. And as I hear things that kind of resonate with me, I put sticky notes on my computer to kind of keep me centered. So thank you for that. That is added to my sticky note wall of, of inspiration. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, this has been great. Again, I can't thank you enough for all, not only joining in on our podcast tonight, but all that you do in the community, all that you do in hospital systems across the country. Your, you know, contribution is invaluable. So thank you. It's been a pleasure working with you through the years. And I know, you know, we still have lots of work to do together. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for uh, inviting me tonight. And um letting me share with yeah. everyone yeah absolutely well thank you guys for tuning in to another podcast of patient partner innovation community and we cannot leave without thanking our wonderful sponsors and partners in this work dr natasha washington at atw health solutions and the word of the night you know you got we're doing the campaign so the after you've listened you've got the word of the night and the word of the night is diabetes COVID. Diabetes COVID is our word of the night. So again, guys, have a wonderful, wonderful night and always be engaged.
Follow the Peep Pit community online at atwhealth.com.